The end of the world is coming. It's near. The angel showed me. There are demons among us. The devil has released them for the final battle. It's being fought right now. But nobody knows it except us and others like us. I'm scared, Dad. We don't fear these demons. We destroy them. We've been chosen by God. He will protect us. The angel called us God's hands. We can see the demons while other people can't. I didn't know what to say or how to feel. Do you understand what I told you? The judgment day's here. I was too messed up to understand or even acknowledge. Soon we'll all be in heaven. You, me, Adam, with mommy. I didn't realize it at that moment, at least not consciously. She's waiting to see us in heaven. But my happy and mostly secure world had just been flipped over and there were dark things under there. Judgment day is here. Very dark things. We've been chosen by God. And my little boy's mind just couldn't take it. Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 150. This is one of our themed episodes. It is actually a part one of a two-part series, so we're going to release these two shows back-to-back. Wolfman Josh chose our theme, and it is Killing in the Name of... Did I get that right, Joshua? Yeah, part one. I guess. Right. This will be more focused on people who uh, are killing in the name of what they perceive is a, a correct ideology. And then part two will be more focused on the cult. Right. Okay. That's awesome. I'm so excited about this. And for those who are listening for the first time on horror movie podcasts, you typically get in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I'm your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shockpacker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman, Josh, and Jay, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> if the devil don't like it, he can sit on a tack. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Joshua, welcome back. We really missed having you around. Um... You know, Dave and I were holding down the fort, but um, I understand that you had some very exciting and um, at times harrowing travels. You want to tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Just things have been a little bit crazy lately. I went to China kind of last minute and um, it was kind of a whirlwind experience. And I actually recorded a podcast for our patrons that will be releasing pretty soon here. Um, in my attempt to get a last minute day of passport so I could leave in time because my, I realized my passport had expired after all of the plans were booked and everything. So um, I drove from Salt Lake to Denver and back within a 24 hour period and recorded 
a podcast similar to the I-80 tapes that you did way back when. <laughs> this is the I-70 tapes. I cannot Stopping wait. along at all of the uh, gas stations along the way to check out their horror selections and reviewing a few films along the way. So, uh, oh, man. Hopefully the listeners will enjoy that. I'll be for our patrons. But I ended up, yeah, I did go to China. Um, and let's just say it didn't turn out great <laughs> in terms of... Uh, uh, I we were detained by authorities for quite a long time and put into this tunnel where I, I don't know. I was afraid I might not exit the tunnel at any point alive. So wow. it was a little sketchy, but um, you know, we, we did what we had to do and we, we made it home intact. And so I'm happy to be here. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you're here and, and you, maybe you can't uh, speak to any of this and that's fine if you're not permitted but uh, were they disgruntled by your filmmaking aspirations over there? They seem to be. Okay. Seem to not, not be. Uh, you got that sense. They're, they're fond of, I guess. The free press is not, I, I think, not super welcome in China. Certainly, I didn't have access to Google, which is it's weird. Like, not having your phone is one thing. You know, like I paid for the international plan, but still it just rarely worked the entire time I was there. Mm-hmm. But what was really weird is just to not have Google. And I was shocked how much I used that in my life. I just was, became really apparent. Anytime I needed information about anything, I was like, okay, now what do I do? Wow. <laughs> there was one Chinese <laughs> search engine I had access to that I knew about. But it's like you can't even Google Chinese search engines because you can't, you don't have Google. So I, I did find one, and but then most of the results are in Chinese or Mandarin. And uh, it, was, it was kind of, it's just crazy how dependent we've become on technology in mm-hmm. such a short period of time. But, yeah. What, um, I mean, that, you that can make a, a horror film about not having access to Google when you need it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Maybe so. Possible. That's good. Well, but yeah, they, yeah, they, uh, I, I'm curious if we have any listeners in China. I guess you would be able to maybe find that out through Libsyn. But, mm-hmm. um, I'll take a look many. while you're chatting. Like without Google, it would be hard to find us, I would think. I know a lot of, you know, when we hit episode 100, we had several listeners on the show for 99 and 100, and we asked them how they found the show. And most of them had just Googled horror movie podcast and right. what came up. So <laughs> great great title of the podcast by you yeah. for seo but, <laughs> thanks um i'm curious if you don't have google are people still finding the podcast <laughs> right that is a good question yeah, yeah. and if they are how right <laughs> exactly it was kind of crazy and i was with a really cool guy i was with the guy who um if you've ever seen the cove his name's rick O'Berry. Yeah. he was one of the original dolphin trainers he was the guy who trained flipper and um, then he became this, you know, activist. Once he realized kind of the harm they were doing to marine mammals. Anyway, he he made this movie, The Cove, that's really effective and won the Academy Award actually for the best documentary that year uh, about right. mass killing of um, dolphins. That takes place in Japan. Oh, it's 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 heart wrenching. That, yeah. that that it really is. So I was with him on the trip. So that that was really cool to get to kind of hear about a guy who's dedicated his whole life to one thing and he's just his life there's so many interesting stories over dinner you know that was that was definitely a highlight yeah you kind of accompany him on one of his trips so. wow that's cool well we're glad you made it back safely and um to answer your question it appears that we've had 
99 downloads in China. Hey. Total. Either one person has listened to most of the episodes. That's right. Or (laughs) we've had several dabblers. But, well, thank you. If you're listening from China, drop us a line if possible. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. Yeah. Curious to know more about your day-to-day life now that I've experienced um, some of the more difficult elements of it. Because it is, there, there are a lot of intense things going on over there. Yeah. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> That's good. All right. And speaking of uh, patron feeds, uh, we actually, we're recording just this weekend coming up. We're going to record um, a special little episode for the those who subscribe to the Movie Podcast Network patron feed. And it's been a while since we put out a strictly horror type of bonus episode, but this is summer vacation horror. And that's going to be coming out relatively soon after this episode releases. I'm excited for that one, you guys. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like each of us is going to take um, two movies that are, that depict summer vacation horror. And Justin, you say the idea is to um, both cover films that occur on people's summer vacation and also this episode is for the enjoyment of those on summer vacation, right? <laughs> yeah. Something to watch on your summer vacation about terrible things that befall people. on summer vacation. <laughs> right. All right. You can be happy. It's not happening to you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, without further delay, have Josh lead us into the theme discussion. But first I just have one little uh, caveat up front. Maybe this is a disclaimer. Maybe it's a warning. But uh, I want to start out by quoting Red Cap Jack. He had this tweet on Twitter, and it wasn't directed at us. It was directed at someone else on Twitter. But it amused me, and I just read it today, and I thought, you know what? That fits perfectly with the disclaimer that I want to give at the top of this particular show. (laughs) Red Cap Jack wrote, Let me show you the adult way. It is none of my business what people think or believe as an entertainer, I appreciate anyone who takes the time to enjoy my product. <laughs> and he was in this great, like, you know, back and forth that I enjoyed. But I just want to say, because we're talking about religion in this episode, I just thought we should give the heads up, at least for, from my perspective, because it's very difficult for me to podcast about anything, especially movie related, that I don't tie to my own life. Okay, so... I just feel like if we could if we could set all of the maybe leave the judgments at the door right and 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 just be able to talk. I, I mean, Josh, you might think this sounds weird to me to say this, but like I I feel like a lot of these themes that we're going to be discussing discussing are tied closely with my own walk with religion, so to speak. And so, um, you know these these two guys, my co-hosts are welcome to share as little or as much about themselves as they like. But I just, I had the sense as I was watching these movies and thinking about this stuff, Josh, I'm like, I'm going to have to talk about some sensitive matters and I don't, I don't want to tick people off, but what, what do you, what are your guys thoughts on that? (laughs) It's probably a bad choice for a themed episode discussion (laughs) in the sense that, I mean, not for content. I think we're going to get a lot of content out of it, but who is this content for? I think um, for those who are devoutly religious, it could be challenging to talk about some of these issues 
for those who have no interest in religion, maybe who are atheists, this could be challenging to talk about these issues. And it may be difficult for those two groups to talk about these, these issues without uh, inflaming something. So none of those are our intention. I think for me, what do we have to offer other than our own point of view, really, in these situations, mm-hmm. right? So just letting people know I'm not intending to offend anyone. I'm going to think about my own beliefs critically, the beliefs of others critically, with no judgment whatsoever. My goal is to not be judgmental for the believing or non-believing, but just talk about the topics in these films and how these affect our world. Because actually, I think differently than other forms of real-life horror, this is actually something that has a frequent impact on our lives. Like more than killer sharks and and home invasion, you know, those are based in reality, but I feel like this is actually a topic that does touch more people than some other topics. And hopefully we can all just agree that if we're listening to this, we're coming in with an open mind. So Dave, what about you? I mean, how, what are your thoughts about discussing this kind of delicate topic? <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't really have an issue with it. I, I can, yeah, even though you know, I've done, uh, brought up 12 years Catholic school and, you know, very much a religious upbringing. I don't think I have the same, um, issue that, that you do, Jay, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm so I offended sort of, right now. <laughs> I'm, just, no, I, I'm totally I'm not, kidding. I don't mean that, that was a joke. In, in a negative way, you know, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not I'm attacking just, you or I'm, anything. No. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling you as, you know, a zealot, whatever, a zealot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I just think it's for me, it's just like another topic. It's just another themed episode. Right. Right. Well, that's cool. That's glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that. And I hope the listeners like genuinely, like if, if you guys if you, and girls, if you don't want to go into this, like then feel free to skip ahead, but I think you'll miss some really fun stuff if you do, but you know, I'm, um, just, you know, we'll get into this more, but I'm, uh, I'm planning on, you know, laying it all out there, guys, as usual. So um, well, maybe instead of what I was trying to say, which is let's just all try not to be offended. How about we just assume everyone's offended and we're just going to live with it. And uh, you, you know, like, that's true. There you go. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, anytime you put something out on the internet to the public, you know, then, then it's uh, you're at risk. I mean, you're basically, it's fair game for people to take issue and <laughs> come at you. And, and I guess, yeah. I guess that's where we are, but you know, every, it, every topic we discuss, we upset people though. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Like some are going to be more charged than others. Religion is certainly high on that list, but there, you know, our world is changing so quickly mm-hmm. that even little things like saying, you guys, I mean, girls, like that is even controversial now because right. some people don't want to be identified either in either of those terms. And so it's right. just like, just please know that we're intending to be inclusive and open-minded and we are going to make mistakes. Call us out and we will have dialogue about the places we screw up. That's fine. But let's do it in a spirit of extending some empathy to understand that, you know, this is a difficult topic to cover mm-hmm. and try to stay neutral. Yeah. And and the other thing is, Wolfman, I, I just feel like if we didn't bring to the table 
where we're coming from, like our own experience with it, then it almost seems like it wouldn't be um, as authentic. Like we wouldn't be as as open and expressive, which is fine. I mean, if people want to play their cards closer to the vest, no, I think you have to do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you if it's going to be if it's going to be worth a damn, you got to you know throw it out there and and you know bro, approach it how you see <laughs> fit. I mean, that's what's going to make it engaging. You know, don't pull punches. Don't, don't, you know, just lay it out there. Okay. Well, Doc said, everybody. I guess it's maybe worth noting that all three of us are coming from backgrounds that are generally within the spectrum of Christianity. And so we Mm -hmm. don't have a lot of experience with other belief or non-belief systems, right? That's That's true. That's our background. Yeah. So, so yeah, we may, we will certainly be limited, right, in our in our knowledge of those perspectives, right? And in our experience with those. So that's a good point. Okay. All right. Well, now that that's out there and people are sufficiently warned, <laughs> Wolfman Josh, take us into this. Let's talk about why this is so controversial. I mean, I, I, we could talk about movies, but why Why do these types of movies exist? What is the reason we're all so nervous to talk about this? And I think it's because a lot of people will tell you that religion is responsible for a lot of death and destruction throughout the history of the world and the devoutly religious will take issue with that and say that it's not not the let's say the teachings of christ or of islam that leads someone to these acts but rather a misinterpretation of those and extremism within the culture right and so i think that i mean look we're talking about real life tragedies that happen all the time and so it's understandable that people are concerned about it. But I think um, just looking within my own personal experience, one of the first times this really hit home for me, you know, you learn about the Crusades growing up. Mostly I learned about the Crusades because of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And I wanted <laughs> to know what is that all about? And that's, <laughs> that was my introduction to the Crusades as a young man. Mm-hmm. But um you know, there were a lot of terrible things happen have happened in the name of God. Let's put it that way. A lot of terrible things have happened in the name of God. Whether those things were righteously carried out or unrighteously carried out, the fact remains that it happened. And so my first personal experience with this, where I really thought about this, was in college. And September 11th happened when I was in college. So that should give you an idea of how old I'm getting right now. And um, I was in history class and we were talking about antebellum slavery and then suddenly the professor just switched the topic to 9-11 and he started talking about um, religious extremists who kill in the name of their god Mm. and being in the united states after 9-11 in a pretty conservative state you can imagine that the points of view were kind of um, pro-america and anti-islam and you know and not everyone obviously felt that way but certainly those who were most vocal were feeling that way and our teacher did something that was interesting our professor put the class through an uh, a thought experiment and you know in utah and especially in the city where i was going to to school we're talking about a population of Mormons at about 85% of the population. So mm-hmm. 85% of the population is are members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, the Mormons. 
Right. And he says, how many people here think it's wrong for a jihadist to commit an act of war in the name of God? Every hand goes up in the room. (laughs) How many people here, if the prophet of the Mormon church told them to kill someone would do it and everyone stopped (laughs) and then like half the hands start like inching up a couple like bolted straight up and then people are start murmuring and looking at each other and it created this situation where i think (laughs) we had to look take a look at ourselves and say we live in a culture where obedience to our church authority is seen as one of the best things that we can be doing one of the greatest things we can be participating in is showing a reverence toward our leadership and showing them that we're willing to follow the teachings of Jesus as expressed through the church. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I imagine other faiths um, operate in somewhat the same way, but I think for a lot of us and our, and our professor walked us through this thought experiment, it was the first time we really had to put in perspective when it's you, you know, one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fight. Exactly. Notion of when it's you, it seems fine. When it's someone else, it seems like they're psychotic. And so how do we move through life that way? Right. Personally, I would say killing at any time is not, is wrong and, and not justified, but you know, I don't know how, I don't know. I don't know how deep we want to go this. No, go for it. Go for it. There's Mormon scripture that says, I got it right here. Go for it. You take over. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, like I'm, I'm a Mormon, right? So, and, and, and if it, if it wasn't clear, you know, that's a, a Christian faith. Now, of course, you know, we, we have the Bible and we have the book of Mormon and in the Bible, we know that there's one of the 10 commandments, Exodus 20, 13 is, Thou shalt not kill, right? But in the Book of Mormon, it's account of the people who lived in in the Americas anciently, and um, before they went there to the Americas, there was a a man named Nephi, and he was trying to obtain these plates from a man named Laban, and on these plates they had the scriptural record, the genealogy of their family. And long story short, I'm trying to summarize here. Um, he needed to obtain the plates from this Laban guy, and it was a commandment of God. And so, um, I'll, I'll just pick up, I'll, I'll just read a couple of verses. And this is not Sunday school, but I'm just putting it out there so people know where we're, what we're talking about. It says, As I came near unto the house of Laban, I beheld a man, and he had fallen to the earth before me, for he was drunken with wine. So, he was drunk. <clears throat> and I beheld his sword, and I drew it forth from the sheath thereof. And he describes the sword here. And then he said, and then it came to pass that I was constrained by the Spirit, and he's referring to the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, that I should kill Laban. But I said in my heart, never at any time have I shed the blood of man, and I shrunk and would that I might not slay him. Okay, so he has this conflict, right? And the Spirit said unto me again, behold, the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Okay, so so it it... it it has this Nephi guy, a righteous man, a prophet. <laughs> he's struggling with this, and he, he's prompted to kill. And he says, Behold, um, the Spirit 
tells him, Behold, the Lord saith the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. It is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. And what ends up happening here, spoilers for the Book of Mormon, <laughs> he says, Therefore I did obey the voice of the Spirit, and I took Laban by the hair of the head, and I smote off his head with his own sword. And so he does. He, he kills Laban. He justifies this killing, but can you imagine that a lot of people who do things in the name of God, it's clearly just taking advantage of the beliefs of others in order to have power over them, right? But there are a lot of people who have done it throughout history who do it with the intent that they believe what, the, what they're doing is righteous. And so when it's done in that spirit, wouldn't anyone feel that they're doing the right thing and that they're doing it, you know, to preserve God's will? And shouldn't we be skeptical of anyone, including ourselves, who is having those types of feelings and be concerned about that? I am. And in fact, one of the films we're going to probably circle back around to this, one of the films we're going to be discussing, I, I thought about this the whole time during that film. I'm like, yeah, this character's cr crazy. But like, you know, if I were if I were told or led, quote unquote, led, you know, like <laughs> it is it is very difficult. And it's like I, I've often wondered about this very question. I mean, like even in the Old Testament. So if we're, we're going to the 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 Bible side there. Um, even in the Old Testament, when Abraham is commanded to sacrifice his son Isaac, you know, pe people are aware, and Genesis 22 is where that's found, and people are aware that, you know, Abraham's ready, and he and he's actually going to, he's going to do it, and he's about to stab and sacrifice his son Isaac, yep. and, and then um, an, an angel stops him and, and says, you know, nope, you don't have to do that. We've got a ram for you in the thicket here. And it he does. Test, yeah, it was a right? test. But, but the test was, are you willing to kill your own son to obey God? Mm -hmm. Right. This is crazy. <laughs> it is. It right. is it's crazy. a terrible position to put someone in. If yeah, you exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or like, you know, David and Goliath. There are plenty of instances of killing in, in, in the, you know, I guess in the name of righteousness, like, you know, David slays Goliath and kills that dude. You know, it's so yeah. anyways. Th and so maybe it, maybe it's accounts like Abraham and David and Goliath that let people feel okay about carrying out atrocities like the things we saw during the Crusades or the Salem witch trials or the witch trials all throughout Europe. But what we see is religion then used as a justification to carry out atrocity. And I think that's... Mm -hmm. That's really at the heart of the issue. Here. So are you saying, Josh, just to be clear, mm -hmm. assuming there is a God, then if, if God instructs one to do it, the supreme being, then, then it's okay. But if there isn't actually instruction from a supreme being, then it's not okay. <laughs> well, my, I guess my question is, is how do you know, which I think, again, the movie we're going to talk about handles this very deftly, how do you know if God is speaking directly to you or if you're just crazy? That you is know? beautiful. That's, it's not something I feel confident in myself enough to say, well, this couldn't be a hallucination. I would, you know, if this happened to my neighbor, I would definitely say they're crazy and they're hallucinating. But if it happens to me, no, I, I'm good. 
Right, right. What what say you, Dr. Shock? Where are you on this so far? I'm with Josh. I would just, it's very interesting because we're talking, you know, if God, if you feel it, you clearly get an instruction from God to do it. In society, there's no recourse. It's not like, well, if you got it from God, well, okay. I mean, killing is killing. <sighs> I wouldn't do it. I, I, I'm, I'm just with Josh. I just, I'm not going to kill anybody. If I get a telegram, Dave, this is God, kill someone, I'm still not going to do it. <laughs> Which sounds like a no-brainer, I guess. I, I think, and, I, and we probably sound crazy just that we're even having this conversation to some degree. <laughs> because for the secular, they're thinking, what in the hell are you guys even debating yeah. here? <laughs> right, right why, why is this an issue? And the, the, reason, the reason we're talking about it is not only is it the theme of the films we're going to be discussing but i think for the devoutly religious this is something to be considered you know and it's Mm -hmm. certainly been a problem throughout the history of the world and if you take this stuff seriously i think that's the hard thing when i talk to people who have no religious background whatsoever is they can't really even imagine anyone has ever taken it seriously right right Right. and so i think at least if you have the background if you're raised in it even you at least know okay yeah like i get it like no people think if you do this you're damned for eternity so that these are high stakes for for a believer all of the you know anything to do with religion are very high stakes it's not just like well said you know well if your church doesn't like gays and you're gay just leave the church yes but for a young person who was raised in that church and it's their entire identity they believe that my not only is my eternal progression going to be impacted by this but it's going to impact my family for eternity mm-hmm. these are not decisions people take lightly in when that is the framework within which you're working and again I well said a secular person saying and you're in a really bad framework for your <laughs> mental state but just please know right. that much of the world is coming from some sort of background like this that's why we have these crazy comments Yes, and and for those who are um, and, and I don't know what's the best word to to use is non-believer uh, per- permissible? Is that a a non-offensive? Probably okay. Yeah, I'm so, saying secular, but I th- a yeah, secular. I mean, okay, yeah, those who are coming coming from the secular angle, you you may or may not be aware of this, but like those who have had you know powerful religious experiences, which I, I consider myself one. It it is extremely uh, powerful and influential. I mean, for example, like I was raised um, Presbyterian. I was in the Presbyterian church, and then when I was nineteen, I converted to um, Mormonism, which was a significant change in my life. Let me just tell you, and 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 in so much, <laughs> uh, in so much that I use, you know, that I, um, I ended up like a year after joining the church, you know, I, I went on a mission and I served a mission for two years. I mean, that's how much, you know, conviction I had. And, and no, I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm just this pious, special guy. I'm just saying that like the, the influence of religious ideology, you know, the experiences that one can have can be very powerful and very convincing. Now, my explanation for that, obviously, is because 
I believe there is a God, you know, but, but, you know, so I'm just putting that out there for the, the people who, who don't believe in this stuff because maybe they're thinking, this is insane. Why would you ever do that? Like, how would you be led to do that? And it's, it's interesting if a person is willing to like, you know, sacrifice oneself, whatever it is, like, you know, a suicide bomber or whatever they are trying to sacrifice themselves for, because of a belief, I mean, that is a powerful belief. I mean, yeah. There is no way to tiptoe around this conversation, is there? It's just an intense conversation. I, I know, I know, but, uh, but I... You have to say, I mean, I, I feel like I had just have to condemn that at every turn, right? No matter how righteous that person believes they are, can we take, as a society, can we afford to take that chance? And as individuals can we let our brother our our neighbor go through with something like that without saying maybe talk to a therapist first maybe take an antipsychotic <laughs> first right see what happens right yeah you, i don't know i have to call the police i hope you know that doesn't interfere with your mission but i have to call the cops <laughs> right. right right yeah dave come back at us what what else you got <laughs> You know, I, as as the discussion was going on, I I just kept flashing back to um, Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal, and this is a movie about a knight who went on a crusade and saw some very horrific things to the point that he lost his faith. He lost his, and he started to wonder what it was all about. So it's basically a, a he's searching. It's a movie, and then got that famous scene where he's playing chess with death. He even asked death at one point, um, you know, is there, is it real? Is there God? And it turns out death is, is just a courier and doesn't have the answers. So it's this night trying to find out this killing and this awful stuff that I have seen. Did I do it for nothing? Did it mean anything like I now fear it means nothing. <laughs> is death the end oh. or will there be a reward um, for, for what I've done? And it's funny because that doesn't get explored quite as much. You know, we see a lot of the people who are absolutely sure I'm doing the right thing. But how many people on the other end have done something like that, have done something in the name of God and have said the, the Crusades are a very extreme example as some of the other things we're talking about are and have said, geez, I don't now all of a sudden I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Now Dave, I can, I can have that adverse effect as well. <laughs> you are striking at the very heart. I mean, the fear of death we've, we've talked about many times is the heart of horror, right? I mean, the, it's a coming yeah. to terms with one's own mortality. And mm -hmm. what you're talking about there is, is, you're you're edging into and and I totally think that I'm celebrating this right now. I'm not I'm not complaining, but you're edge you're edging into like something that that scares me out of my mind. It's a possibility I can't even think about, and that is if if the non-believers are absolutely right. If there were, if there is nothing afterward, and when you're dead, you're dead. You go into the ground. The end. Like that's. That's absolutely horrifying to me, and and and, and mm -hmm. I can't even I can't even go there. Almost, guys, I, I'm so resistant you know, I, to that. I and I had I've had that same 
feeling before, before I would have that same thing. It's like, I can't imagine snuffing out the light and there being the consciousness just being gone, you know, the, 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 and, and just be there being nothing. But then it was actually, strangely enough, it was Roger Eber who said something and I can't remember what review it was, but it got onto the lines of life after death. Mm-hmm. And Roger Ebert said, I was perfectly okay with not experiencing the first how many thousands of years of history. <laughs> and I didn't realize, you know, and I'm perfectly okay if death is an end of stopping and not having to, you know, and not being around for that. <laughs> you know, I've already missed however many I didn't have consciousness then. And mm-hmm. I don't feel as if I'm going to, I missed anything. So I, and I'm paraphrasing and I think I'm doing it poorly. He said this much better than I, than I'm saying it right now. But in other words, just, since he wasn't conscious before and he didn't yeah, he, care, he didn't have the consciousness he, before and it didn't bother. And you. if he doesn't have the consciousness after, right. He doesn't feel as if he's like, okay with that. Right. That's at least a rosy way of putting it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. But right. then, then there's the other side. I mean, just in, in church, just this past Sunday, actually, um, somebody said something that, that kind of freaked my, my mind out again, which is the other side of that coin, which is he, the fear of eternity. He's like, he's like, when I think about living forever for eternity, it scares me to death. <laughs> I'm like, whoa wait a minute and then then i started thinking about that too and it's like i don't know what i want you know i don't i don't know which is scarier <laughs> well that's the I vampire's think, yeah. curse is to live for eternity right right i don't know exactly I don't know how terrible it is until to, to live for eternity without ever seeing the sun again without ever you know the, the long that's that's the vampire's curse only but, lovers left alive is basically about mm-hmm. the monotony of living forever yeah yeah so that's right that's scary, but and 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 could be. I mean, you know, and and I know coming from the Roman Catholic background, there is at least in in my background with it, um, you know, going back uh, several decades, quite a bit of uh, occasional fire and brimstone of um, you know nothing like. I remember my father telling me that. You know, you, they were not allowed before they would get communion on Sunday. They could not, they couldn't eat anything, couldn't even drink water from midnight the night before. And the nuns in his school would say, tell him that if you accidentally brush your teeth before mass and accidentally swallow some of the toothpaste, you will be hit by a Mack truck on your way to, on your <laughs> way, and you take communion, you take communion as you're walking out, you will be hit by a Mack truck and you will go to hell. Or something along those lines. Wow. Now, now in yeah. that regard, eternity is terrifying. <laughs> you know, when right. they set up a certain type of oh, sure. eternity. If you're going to be in hell, then you're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you sit there and you go, Jesus, I thought I lived a good life, but... You know, then I'm looking at the Bible here and I didn't, I didn't give all my money away to charity and, and, and wander the desert. I didn't do that. You know, I, 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 so am I really living the life that I'm supposed to be living? Um, and it, and then that can be a little scary. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, well, uh, that, it, that's a good 
jumping off point for horror to the idea of uh, being trapped in a in a hellish eternity for sure. That's 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 real scary stuff, and I think that is a motivator for a lot of terrible things we see done in the name of God as well. Yeah, and and just to add into this, something that Dave said triggered this. I mean, there's there's the real life. I I don't know if. I guess for some people it would be horror, but I mean, there is that struggle of, you know, am I, am I living to the fullest potential of knowing what I should be doing? I mean, there's that whole thing and, and guilt and so forth. But anyways, uh, Josh, bring us home on, on this conversation and we'll move into some movie reviews. Yeah. Try not to get too far off the mark here. I have no idea where we are in, in relation to the movies at this point, but (laughs) Um, no, but I mean, I think, I think it is useful to kind of maybe set up some of these ideas before we get into our reviews, because we are dealing with two films that really deal with believers. One that would seemingly be a lot more mainstream, but where it goes is as crazy as it gets. And the other where it's a person who really feels like they're having a spiritual awake, a personal spiritual awakening, which is what we're talking about here, you know? And I think, um, I work with a lot of native American groups um, and, you know, and also my background, I'm I'm Polynesian. And so I think a lot about the religion that was lost from these indigenous groups when Christianity came and the way that their religion was erased and, and their languages erased. And and that was done in an, an effort to, to control. And that was also the same in the South with, with slavery, you know, Christianity, gave slaves a lot of hope and it gave them a, a lot of things, but it, it was also used as a, as a means of control. And so I think it, it's, it's always going to be complicated. Like there's not an, there's not an easy way to ever really discuss these things. I think when you are trying to do as we are, which is just talk about it generally and objectively, it's just never going to be, Oops, I'm sorry. Right. That was my R2 unit. I was going to say, um, it sounds like R2-D2's podcast. R2's with chiming you. in. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, R2. We're not joining the others. Um, <laughs> oh, well, well done there, Josh. That was hilarious. Um, um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm sorry. I, I lost my train of thought. But basically, the basic idea is what I'm just saying is well, I think we've we've set up a very difficult discussion for ourselves, and that's why it's probably gone poorly. So sorry to our audience for that. <laughs> But I, but I, but you know, as I think about a lot of these native religions and like, with just Dave, I just laughed in his face, essentially across the internet about this idea that if he were to brush his teeth before communion, he'd get hit by a Mack truck. But those nuns were probably being pretty serious when they said that. And it's easy. You know, there's the famous Stephen Roberts quote that atheists love to use about how basically I'm, you know, you're atheist too, with all of the god's known to man except for one basically right like i don't know i'm sorry that's a misquote of, of oh. quote. but the basic idea is you know i contend that we're both atheists i just am an atheist about one more god than you are essentially you know and so right okay. i think that is that's the difficulty of what we're setting up because we do tend to think the suicide bomber is crazy but we would think, well, if God told me to do this, it would be righteously justified. And I think that's the problem at the heart of both of the films we're going to talk about. So what was the first movie again? <laughs> I know, right? Hey, 
Jay, so, how much of that is actually going to make it into the episode, do you uh, think? Well, I, I mean, you know, we warned people up front. And, of course, they could fast forward or turn it off. And I put the little timestamps in the show notes so they can know when the review starts, which most people will probably jump to that. But uh, the last two notes for Dave here. Dave, God told me to cut off your little toe next time we're together, so I hope you don't oh, okay. mind. Well, and, um, well I, I hope you I hope you deny uh, <laughs> and and some of my favorite girls ever have been Catholic girls. I just want you to know that, Dave, because I, I love well, Catholic girls. So I can tell you some stories, but yes, I, I can uh, <laughs> I can certainly understand that. So anyways, I just didn't want I didn't want all the you know everybody to think I'm just so close minded. But anyways. <laughs> all right. You like them Catholic girls. Oh yeah, they they were just wonderful wonderfully fun. Enjoyed their company. All right, Joshua, I think it's time then to move into our feature review of Frailty from 2001. You the agent in charge of the case? That's right. What can I do for you? I'm here because I can't live with what I know anymore. Listen, this may sound a little bit crazy, but I know who the God's Hand killer is. What makes you think that? You hadn't even heard me out yet, and already you doubt me. They were raised to obey their father. Go to see Homer. To love him. To trust him. Night, boys. Sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until. Hey, Kat, I've got something to tell you. Hey, what's wrong? There are demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can. I'm scared, Dad. Nothing that crazy could be real. The angel told me that God would be sending weapons. Maybe you just dreamed it. Maybe you're not right in the head. God will be sending a list of the first seven demons. These are people's names. And they'll look like people. They're not. Dad made up this whole thing. Do you understand? Well, if it has to be done, it has to be done. Is that true? Why would I make it up? Frailty is a 2001 film. It's directed by Bill Paxton from a screenplay by Brent Hanley. And it was also shot by Bill Butler, who shot Jaws and child's play and some other great horror films and, uh, and a lot of great non-horror films by the way as well the guy is was one of is one of the great cinematographers out there um this is an incredible film and bill bill paxton plays a role in it but um, the film starts out with matthew mcconaughey and essentially he goes to an fbi agent at the beginning of the film and he tells the fbi agent my brother is this killer that you're looking for basically there has been a serial killer on the loose and um he goes by the name of god's hand serial killer and uh and, and fenton matthew mcconaughey's character is, is claiming that his brother adam is this god's hand serial killer and so he sits there and and it plays out somewhat like the usual suspect that you <laughs> yes. have yes. a narrator sitting in an office talking to a, a police officer and then we're seeing that tale unfold as it's narrated mm-hmm. but um basically it tells the history of their family and how everything that adam is doing is based on what they were taught by their father as children their father being the bill paxton character he he tells them that he was visited by an angel and he was told by God to destroy demons who were disguised as human beings mm. on the earth 
and he's got to take him out. And that, and so we see a lot of scenes of this as, as it, um, as it plays out and it's fascinating. I mean, this is, this is a movie that I missed because I was serving a mission for the <laughs> LTS church mm-hmm. and didn't watch movies for that two year period of time. And I got home and this is one of the first movies my friend recommended to me. And he said, you've got to see frailty. And uh, mm-hmm. it was one of the first movies that I saw when I got back, but you can imagine being in the mindset that I was where I spent two years um, calling myself a representative of God essentially. And then seeing someone who's having a vision very much like um, what we would imagine, like a prophetic vision would be like, it, it was kind of shock, a shock to my system, to be honest. <laughs> right. The first time I saw this, it kind of blew my hair back a little bit. And I just thought, Whoa, this is crazy. And I, and I, this is one of my favorite depictions of a vision man, we were talking a lot about Mormonism tonight there there, you know, a vision is kind of at the heart of the founding of the Mormon church. Mm -hmm. And, and that's been depicted by artists in a very specific way. And so I've had it my entire life growing up, a kind of an idea of what I thought a vision would look like if, if it were to happen. And this movie along with angels in America, along with super, which is a, in quote superhero movie, non horror movie, but it's directed by James Gunn, who's you know has been a horror director at times. Mm-hmm. Um, those three films have these amazing vision sequences that are so unlike kind of what I believe the vision would look like. That that also just had this incredible impact on me to think of how one might interpret the things around them. And 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 see holiness in the mundane, the the entire way that that is depicted, and the terror of this idea that these demons—it's scary on just a basic horror premise that there are demons dressed up as humans. That's scary. Yes. But then it's even scarier the the level deeper where you think, what if these are just people? That is terrifying. Right. So. I feel like the the premise alone for this movie is amazing, but I think Bill Pax is an, as a performer and a director mm-hmm. just completely knocked it out of the park. And Josh, as a believer myself, like watching this film is is always really uncomfortable for me on another level, which is the level of the believer, because it's like, wow, that guy's pretty convinced too, much like I'm convinced, you know, of my experiences that yeah. that I regard as sacred and special and direction, you know, and, I, and I, I'm not saying that, um, you know, I, I still don't hold to those and believe in what I've experienced, but I can acknowledge as a, a thinking, semi-intelligent human being <laughs> that a non-believer hearing me talk about this, I can acknowledge that... Um, Yep, there are a lot of very uncomfortable parallels here for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, it's it's one of the things about the movie that struck me. It's powerful. It really is. Where where you you can you you this is now the this is this is someone who he loves and and we got just we got enough of that at the beginning, enough of the normalcy, you know, and it's not much. I yeah. think it's a scene, maybe two where we get the normalcy to see that just suddenly ripped away and the, and the conflict now that, that this boy is having 
to the point that he doesn't even know. And and then, you know, like he's hoping it's all going to blow blow over. And then each time he comes home, I found a new weapon or it's getting closer or something. It just sort of fills him with dread again. Mm-hmm. That's really strong. And and, yeah. and I, I thought that Bill Paxton is this could be his this could be his best performance. And it's, a you know, he, he was the director as well. Um, but uh, you know, the, the, the young cast, I think was, uh, at least, uh, you know, the older boy really did a great job as, also. Yes. And if I can speak to what you said, Dave, I mean, you really hit it on the head and I'm sorry to the listeners to just personalize this so much, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I really felt the parallels of, you, you know, the disruption that a conversion causes, you know, having been converted to something uh, pretty different at age 19, I mean, particularly with my friends, you know, like with my friends, when I changed my lifestyle and I, you know, stopped doing certain things and, you know, totally like I remember, <laughs> I remember one day my, my friend mocking me and just getting tired of all the, the changes to my lifestyle. My one friend said, let me guess now the sun is bad right jay the sun is bad and i'm like no like you know like he was just being snarky with me but it was very difficult and so yeah when even if it's not the individual like these kids especially since they're minors but like they were affected so drastically by this conversion by this lifestyle change of the father yeah i mean they absolutely were and i mean to the point that I mean, you can say, yes, it changes their lives, but it does a lot more than that. I mean, that's like the understatement of the year. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I, another thing I think this this film handles well is depicting how, you know, a, per, a person's newfound con- conviction or conversion can adversely affect, as you said, I mean, it can actually, I mean, they will bulldoze past the people that they've been loved and trusted by for so many years, you know, they'll even progress through them if possible. I mean, I've known of people, you know, not just in my faith, but you hear of people converting and changing faiths and then they leave, you know, their family totally abandons them and disowns them. And, um, you know, that, that, that's, yeah, I, I had some experience with that as well. <laughs> like like, like uh, a gal I almost married, she was learning about the LDS church and um, she was going to getting ready to, you know, uh, convert. And um, her family was going to completely abandon her. And so then she, she turned the other, she changed her mind. And that was, you know, I, to be honest with you, I understood. I'm like, wow, that'd be really hard. To walk away from your entire family if they choose to disown you. So, so yeah, those themes in this film also stir me up as a viewer. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a simple concept, and I think it's a film that apparently was overlooked because I feel like this movie is vastly underrated. Again, maybe that's just because I wasn't really around during its release. But oh, you're right. It's it's not a film I hear a lot about. I just think it's a fantastic movie. Like. It, it's small, yes, but just I feel like it's so powerful. And maybe we'll find, as with this episode, maybe this only <laughs> <laughs> hits people if they've had like a certain experience with religion. I don't know, but for me, it was just like, wow, this this nails the premise so well. 
and and it continues on and we're we're not going to give spoilers but the way it wraps up is kind of shocking i think mm-hmm. i mean i just i feel like it yeah you get you kind of get lulled into the world of the movie and and then you remember oh yeah there's there's like a <laughs> there's a present time going on here as well mm-hmm. you know? and, and that's handled pretty interestingly i think yeah, yeah. Well, and you were speaking a moment ago, Josh, about, you know, whether this would only, you know, resonate or affect people who are, you know, like religious. But I think the non-religious people would view this and be horrified in a completely different way. Well, I mean, like to the <laughs> to the nth degree of the opposite side, which is, wow, religious zealots are wackos and nutjobs. And this is horrifying. You know, these people are scary, you know, <laughs> Crazy looking at the so I'm just looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score. Actually, it's it's got a fresh rating, a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics and 78 from the audience. So it it was well, very well received, actually. So I'm I'm shocked that it didn't isn't better known or it just hasn't really had the a lasting impact because I think it is a classic film in, in some ways. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I guess it just had, must have had a small release. Yeah, I think it's funny because people I talk to who are not necessarily horror fans have told me I've had two different people tell me that this movie absolutely terrified them. Mm-hmm. And then they don't, you know, we don't know. I don't normally talk horror movies with them, but you know, I've had someone say there was a movie. What was the movie about the father? Uh, and it was Bill Paxton is like, okay. And I know exactly you know, what they're talking about. <laughs> right. And they just say how terrifying it is. And you know, one of the things you were saying, Josh, about how good the the um the visions are, and they really are good. But what a brave move to show them. Mm-hmm. You know, because then it starts. It, it's almost as if to say, "Are these real? Is this you know what is uh, what is going on here?" He could have easily made the decision not to show those, mm-hmm. and just left it. Uh, you know, just left it vague for everybody. You know, it's like, is he really getting these visions, or is he not? But to show them now, of course, we could always be, well, this could be his interpret his description of them as he's describing it to the kids. But to show them, it really does. I thought it was I thought it was a, it was great to include those. I agree 100 percent. And I think what's so powerful about that, Dave, is that it actually shows us this father, the killer and in a sympathetic light. I mean, if you see it from his perspective, there's a degree to which you can sympathize with where he's coming from because he obviously feels genuinely directed. He's not just, you know, some sicko who wants to kill people. I mean, he may or may not be a sicko, but I'm just saying that he feels directed and he's earnest. So I I love that decision. Mm -hmm. You know, just other kind of themes that this, this illustrates well is the power of belief, which we talked about at the beginning. I think that's very prominent here. And then, um, this also depicts, it has a great depiction of the degree of sacrifice required for faith. You know, I, I think it hits on that too. We, we've we heard, you know, those probably in and out of religious organizations have heard of people who, you know, the religion requires a lot of, um, you know, a lot of personal sacrifice, you know, and I think probably that's a that's common to most religions, I would I would imagine, and that's even depicted in this film as well. 
You know, one thing that's interesting about this now for me rewatching it that I didn't have at the time was I have, I was a big fan of Big Love, which Bill Paxton actually played a excommunicated fundamentalist. He plays a father with a particular religious conviction that is outside the law, but he's generally a good guy and you're kind of a rooting for him. And this almost feels like the final season of big love or something like where he finally loses it or like <laughs> goes off the rails. It feels like an extension of that character because mm-hmm. his demeanor is very upbeat in a weird way. Like, I think that is one of the jarring things about the film. He's, he's like this friendly, he's kind of like happy about this terrible calling he's gotten. You know? mm-hmm. it's like it's great. It's great guys. Like, it's almost like, he's like, I'm, I'm going to take you guys to the baseball game. We'll, we'll get some hot dogs. Like it's right. a blast, yeah. you know. And that's and kind of how we talk tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll get down to work, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just I don't know. That's that to me is one of the things that's kind of disarming about the movie is the approach Bill Paxton's character, or the the way in which he receives this con. There's not a hint of him kind of questioning. Uh, whether or not he's doing the right thing as he mm-hmm. receives this call. And that's, and that's where the, the, uh, the oldest son's doubt comes in. It's like yeah. this, this man who I thought was reasonable and, and, and wise all of a sudden just seems to have completely lost his mind. You know, for anyone who, who was not getting the visions, anyone who was, you know, this is how everyone is going to treat somebody like this. I mean, if if I had a knock on the door right now and it was, you know, a friend that I've had for 30 years. And he says, I've just had a vision. I've just seen God. And he's told me to do that. My first reaction would be like, okay, what have you been drinking? I mean, I, I it would not be, right. this is a legitimate, this is, this is a, a legitimate vision. And I, I don't know that I would ever fully accept something like that. And, but to have somebody who you rely on and, and is your, and is your protector and, and uh, uh, you know, is providing, to have them suddenly do that where you have no choice but to go along. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's one of the, I just really stuck with me at, through with, at this viewing, you know, watching it this time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's definitely that horror that we talk about a lot on the show, which is, you know, if your parents are protector, then one of the most horrific situations you can find yourself in is this is an unsafe family environment. We talked about this obviously just recently with hereditary. Yeah. But um yeah, it's terrifying for the ch- for the children involved in this as well. And, it is, and it's not that he created an unsafe environment, though. That's the thing. He was still being a loving father. It's just, my God. I mean, you know, what, what goes on is... Well, I would consider some of the things that go on to be un- not well, ideal uh, yes. for... I would, I would think child protection services might have some issues. Yeah, right. yeah they might. They <laughs> might. They might get it, uh, sure. you know, get involved at some point. <laughs> They well, might not have. They might not accept the visions either. But guys, there, there's another level of horror on this, which is, um, you know, like you, uh, as Dave was saying, you know, the, the older kid is very skeptical about this and doesn't believe it, but the younger kid does believe it. And so, from the younger kid's perspective, you know, as far as he's concerned, he believes his dad. And so, how scary would it be to you if your dad said? Uh, here's a demon I brought home. And then like the thing he does where he like touches them and then reacts. I mean, that would be terrifying to see that as a little kid. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, Freaky. Um, This is a little side note, kind of like a, I don't know if it's a trivia thing or 
But there was that really wild, crazy um, comedy horror type crime film from 2008 called Otis, O-T-I-S. And I wonder, there's a part of me that wonders if um, at least the name of that character, that film comes you know, it has some sort of inspiration me, yes, tied the, back to this movie. Right, right. Yeah, I just wonder about that. Because, you know, Otis is not a super common name. But <laughs> but anyways. All right, so look, you want to move into ratings then? Since we um we don't want to spoil anything else. So, um, Wolfman Josh, why don't you start us off? What, what do you rate Frailty? I'm coming in hard with a 9.5 out of 10 on this one. I think it is, um, it wraps up, I was just talking about how I liked it, but it actually is kind of like a little bit too quick and and, and convenient the way it, I wish it were, I wish the ending were a little bit more in keeping with the pacing of the rest of the film. I think it it makes it feel a little uneven. And I think, um, I think it could have been a little bit longer to kind of just uh, fix some of the pacing things that I didn't, that didn't work for me. But that's just the, that's bringing it down only a 0.5 uh, because otherwise I just felt like it was completely compelling powerhouse performances all around. The kids are great, which is rare, you know, to have really good child actors as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, great directorial debut by Bill Paxton. I wish we would have got a lot more movies out of this guy. He's just, uh, he is just one of my favorite actors. He just has a soulfulness about him that, Yes. It's so appealing to me. Even when he's playing wackadoo crazy, like in near darker aliens. I mean, that stuff's great, but I think this, <laughs> his quieter stuff is really the stuff that, um, mm-hmm. that I and, uh, yeah, this is a buy for me. Absolutely. It's a buy it. I don't know if there's a Blu-ray of this yet. Maybe just a cheap transfer. Um, I have the DVD and, and you can watch it on Amazon prime. If you're a prime subscriber, it's free right now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I would absolutely recommend everybody check that out. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Josh. That's exactly where I am on it. I'm a 9.5 out of 10. I call this a must-see. I think it's an absolute must-see. And um, this is a buy for me. I own the DVD, even. And, um, and man, I, it's just a fantastic film. This is one of those great little horror films that's really fun to recommend to people when, like, you know, when you need to pull an ace... And Ace in the Hole, you know, you get to pull that out. And if somebody wants something they haven't seen before, because it, it is lesser known. In my experience, like, very few people, when I'm recommending, like, if somebody wants something juicy, you know, it's like, hey, check out Frailty from 2001. I mean, it, it, it really goes over very well. So, yeah, 9.5 for me, must see, buy it. What do you say, Dr. Shock? Um, not much. I'm in a 9 out of 10, and it's a, it's a must see, and it's a buy. Uh, you know, and it's, it's after you've seen it through once, when you watch it again, it's very interesting, mm-hmm. you know, to, to sort of then see putting things together, yeah. you know, that I thought that was very, uh, that, that's really cool. But yeah, it's, it's a must And I didn't mention how I thought it might be, it could be Bill Paxton's best performance. I, I really thought he was great at near dark also. I mean, that was probably my my other favorite Bill Paxton performance, but this one I think is probably even a little bit better than that, just because of what he has to do, you know, um, throughout this movie. And, and, and I think he, you know, he has to almost be a father under the most extreme circumstances. And, 
and he could very well be losing his mind. And I thought he handled everything, you know, wonderfully. So yeah, nine out of 10 and it's a must, must own and a must see. All right. I am looking at letterbox here. Quite a few of our listeners have actually seen this that I am connected with on letterbox. Um, Lee Russell gave it an eight. Angloid gave it a seven. Uh, Jody horror guy gave it an eight. Uh, Michelle gave it a nine. Ian gave it a seven. Ashley Slashley gave it an eight. Kevin Zaid gave it a six. Jonathan gave it an eight. Dark Mark gave it an eight. Andred gave it an eight. David Fear gave it an eight. Kane Kenny gave it a six. And Clarence Diggles gave it a six. So a lot of our listeners um, like this one. All six are above, it looks like. So Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely one to check out. Yes. Absolutely. And I will say, I worked with Bill Butler, the, the cinematographer here. As I mentioned, he was the DP for Jaws. He also shot stuff like, uh, he finished One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He he shot The Godfather, Grease. He did a lot of great work in his time. But I asked him when I was on set with him what his favorite horror movie was. And he said, basically, like, is it okay to mention one I, I've worked on? And I said, yes, thinking he was going to say Jaws. And he said, frailty. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's neat. All right, listeners, that's our review of Frailty from uh, 2001. Let us know what you think in the show notes for episode 150. Hi, this is Sean Byrne, writer, director of The Devil's Candy. And this is horror movie podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies. All right, and at this point, uh, let's move into our feature review of Red State from 2011. Bet you boys want to get up to the devil's business, don't you? So get drinking, because I ain't drinking alone. I don't let no man in me unless he's got at least two beers in. Yes, ma'am. Welcome, family. Good evening. Good evening, Granddaddy. I hate the wickedness in America. Rampant fornication, adultery, abortion, flagrant sexuality. Everywhere. And it's up to the righteous to curb the spread of its disease. You might have children out there. It's uh, gonna get grown up in here. Send the sinner straight to hell. Send the sinner straight to hell. God doesn't love you. Let's fear Red State is a 2011 film written and directed by Kevin Smith. It stars Michael Parks as a fundamentalist preacher who um, leads a small congregation of folks who have taken it upon themselves to right some of the wrongs in the world. They're based on kind of the Fred Phelps group, the God hates gays people and um but it's taken much further than well i hope than the reality and uh michael parks here gives just an incredible performance i mean it's he's really the reason to watch the movie mm-hmm. but it's a but the whole thing is fascinating and i think um you know as the first horror turn from kevin smith who would then go on to do tusk and um, yoga hosers, which are a little more goofy. This one takes itself pretty seriously for the most part. And I really enjoyed that mode much more than um, the kind of comedic turns in his later. Oh yeah. You know, horror film 
for sure attempts. So um, I, I, I was hoping that Moose Jaws would also be taken a little bit seriously, but you know, with a name like Moose Jaws, the chances aren't good, but, but this is, yeah, this is Kevin Smith's first horror film. You know, he's primarily known as a indie comedy writer director. He's also done like a lot of episodes of like the flash, for instance, and superhero geek stuff. Um, and a lot of his stuff is fan service, so it was really fascinating to see him completely step away from what he's known for. There are a lot of trademark Smithisms in the casting and and the dialogue, and you can definitely tell it's him if you know it's him. But the subject matter and look and feel of the film are completely different from anything he's ever done before. Mm-hmm. Essentially, <clears throat> you have a group of teenagers who they decide that um, they're going to hook up with. A, an older lady in the town next to them on Craigslist and, and they're going to try to have kind of a, I don't know if it's group sex mm-hmm. situation with her, but at least they're going to try to have some kind of sexual encounter with this older lady. Mm-hmm. And so they hop in the car and they drive to the next town over and um, the lady hands them some beers of which they partake. And then they pass out and wake up inside this kind of fundamentalist church and all hell breaks loose and, and, and they're they find themselves in a very terrifying predicament i don't know how far we want to get into it but long story short for me it, it's a weird little film i think like um, frailty it is kind of a small film but i think it um, punches above its weight in a lot of ways and it's something that i really appreciated as a viewer the first time i watched it and i was surprised that for me, it completely held up on the rewatch. I was expecting it not to, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, I liked everything I saw when I watched it again. Oh yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, th- this film, this film really. Um, <laughs> I wrestle a lot with this one. I I love the film overall. I mean, I I truly love it. But there are some things in it that I I seriously struggle with. You know, because <laughs> like. Just, just for example, let me just give you one weird thing where this ties into my life. Um, like my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, historical character from the Book of Mormon is a guy named Abinadi. He was a prophet, and so I actually had planned, you know, way back in like 2002, so way before this film was ever made, I had planned to name my first son. Aben, A-B-I-N, which was short for Abinadi. <laughs> so, Im- imagine my, uh, you know, my terror or whatever you'd call it when I saw this film and and this this preacher is his name is Aben, and I'm like, oh boy. So, like, like there's that, and then the other thing, like the very first thing that I'll put out there that that I guess messes me up on this movie is the fact that. You know, you you could dismissively call them, refer to them as as a cult of of sorts, but in this film, it's very clear, at, at least by word, if not not by deed, but by word, that they are um, quote unquote Christians. You know, they they talk about Jesus a lot, and and that's that's very difficult for me as a Christian as a as a person who loves Jesus and I. I understand and believe Jesus to be, you know, completely benevolent and loving and peaceful and so forth and all of those things. And then now, now I know that 
you know, the the listeners or people could argue there have been Christians historically who have done terrible things to other people. I, yeah, I know, I understand that, but that's just seeing it in this film. It's very difficult to hear them. You know, it, it it grates against me. It's, it's tough for me to see them profess, you know, like, like all of this is for Jesus. And it's like, Ooh, you know, like it's very uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, don't you feel that way when you, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like this being based on Fred Phelps, I feel like this is not a logical next step for Fred Phelps, but it does feel like kind of in line with that trajectory. If that makes sense. Oh I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yes, I hate that. I mean, I, <laughs> I do. I'm like very against that because yeah, when the, the Fred Phelps stuff, especially when that was like in the news prominently and stuff, I mean, that is so, saddening to my heart you know it's like that's not that's not what we're about you know yeah and that's probably how i'm just taking a stab at this it's probably how the people of islam feel when you have these extremist radical suicide bombers doing things that that do not represent the the love and the peaceful nature of their faith i mean that's probably how they feel so that's given me a you know a good deal of empathy yeah, you, you know, for for that situation. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I mean, you know, we're going to be talking about cults on the next episode, and this it is a fine line when you have a group that is this extreme. And so I thought about this a lot, which episode to include this review in. But I do feel like, yeah, it's just that they are kind of in line with a very mainstream Christian group, and they're based on that Christian group. And although it kind of devolves into david koresh territory i still think that this group um is just on that side of the line of like these are people who are you know have their it's not about controlling a group of people and you know being a charismatic leader he is a charismatic leader but it's real. it's not about the things that cults are often about it's about their belief system and carrying out what they believe the will of God to be. And to me, that felt in line with frailty and kind of the theme of this episode. Yes, absolutely. Dave, what, what say you about Red State? We haven't heard from you yet. I've been, you know, I've been just listening and I've been agreeing with a lot of what you guys say. First off, you got to give kudos to Kevin Smith for, for sort of breaking away from his traditional kind of movie with, with a movie like this, so serious and doing such a great job with it. Um, but it really is Michael Parks who is just the most terrifying and the most, at the same time, the most magnetic uh, individual in the movie. When he's talking, you don't like what he's saying, but you can't help but listen, you mm-hmm. know, because he's he's just doing that good of a job in the movie. And this is a very terrifying, this is, you know, this is that that sure uh, assuredness of I know I know what I'm doing is right, and you know you're not going to stand in my way, and I'm going to prove to you that it's right by doing you know these horrible things, and this is a, it, it that in itself makes it just very terrifying because these, there are groups like this out there, there are Abe and Coopers out there, and it's. It's it's frightening. It really is. Yeah, and and you mentioned like you know 
Michael Parks being like the the terrifying star of this. You know, I had read that, uh, you know, when Kevin Smith came up with this idea that he totally envisioned Michael Parks playing that role. And that was especially after he saw his um, his sheriff character, I guess, in From Dusk Till Dawn, right? Is that right. Sheriff Earl also McGraw? Did it also in um, Kill Bill. Yes. Yep. Yes. And, and so the way he performs this. Now, I've been to, in my day, I've actually, especially during my teenage years, I I explored a lot of different churches, and I'm, I'm originally from the Bible Belt, and so I've been in churches, not with all the hate speech that this has, at least in my estimation. I mean, there are probably people who disagree with that, but I'm, I'm just saying that I've been in churches that remind me of this, in uh, in preachers who remind me of this guy and um like it's very interesting because i i feel like he nails it like the way he'll like dance a little jig and stuff when he's like singing and and so happy about the the gospel and stuff i, I remember when i was in college um one of the colleges i attended there was a very evangelical uh custodian and this this janitor like he was always preaching to people and dancing around just like this dude. And, and he would say, um, you know, he would say things to the college kids like, you know, if loving Jesus is wrong, I don't want to be right. You know, like things like that. And, and one of my favorite things that he said, which I used in one of my songs was, um, like I, I've read ahead, I've read the end of the book and I know who wins, you know, like, uh, I just, I just, I love that. But, but that's how he, that's how he behaved too. And and what's interesting is you look at the Michael Parks character, the Abe and Cooper, and you're like, okay, that guy's crazy and he's terrifying. But there was a film that came out when I was on my mission, <laughs> coincidentally, it's from 1997 and it's called The Apostle and it stars Robert Duvall. Now, yeah, that's not a horror film, but it's in my top 10 all-time favorite films ever and that's because, like, uh, well, first of all, Robert Duvall is my favorite actor ever. And his performance in that absolutely nails, captures 100%, you know, a, a preacher man like that. And what's really weird and kind of startles me a little bit, guys, is that Robert Duvall preacher, even though, like, he's an imperfect person as well, you'll see in that film, but he's he's earnest and sincere, and he tries to do the right thing, more or less. He's not too far from this Michael Parks preacher, and that's that right. that scares me to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think Michael Parks was definitely pulling from preachers he had seen because, and the film is a lot of preaching. I will say that. I think if you, you know, if there's anything that's slow burn about it, it's that you spend a lot of times in these sermons. Michael Park is get Parks is giving, and I think in lesser hands. I mean, the writing is interesting. I think Kevin Smith, the you know, is a is a good writer, but he is also verbose, and so it's an interesting pairing of material and actor. And I think maybe in lesser hands, this could get a little tedious, but I found Michael Parks um, really captivating as a, as a performer. But he does talk about in the interview that I saw with Michael Parks that he looked at Fred Phelps and he just found Fred Phelps so boring as a human being, he just didn't want to do Phelps. So even though the, you know, the idea of the concept is based on Phelps, he was really looking at other preachers that he found 
to be a little more interesting and lively. And he named a couple of them. I, I wasn't familiar with them, but they were preachers that he had kind of looked at um, for reference. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think they are based on real sermons and the types of things that people really do in, in these types of congregations. And I love that. When this film came out, I heard I had heard criticisms that so much of that um, sermon was included in there. I believe like the slash film cast, which is one of my favorite movie podcasts. Um, I, I believe that was one of their criticisms that, that they spent so much time, including that sermon up front early in the film. But honestly, I think that that, that actually in, imbues this film with power. I think that gives it its legitimacy in terms of like, we get a sense of his charisma we get a sense of how loyal his followers are. We get a sense of how powerful he is. And 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 we also, I mean, he's quoting, and, and, and again, I struggle with being, having my faith rep, misrepresented to some extent, you know, like, well, to a great extent, let's be honest. But he quotes the Bible a ton in this, and he quotes a lot of that. Now, another thing they did that fascinated me too is like at one point, um, Within the church family, they need to deal with with a death. There is a death, and and I think what's so interesting is the first time I saw this, I'm like, oh, 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 okay, this is crucial that Kevin Smith got this part right. I, I really wanted to see if they used, like, if Kevin Smith wrote into the characters where they used their faith to process and deal and address this character death within their church family. And he does. And I, I'm like, nailed it. That is exactly right. Because it, even, you know, as, um, as, as far out there as these people are, <laughs> they would be, they would be like leaning back on those beliefs. And I thought that was a, a wonderful part of the film. Yeah, I absolutely. I agree. Yeah, when I when I first saw it, I think that was my big criticism was that I just felt like he could have edited the sermon a little bit tighter. But I think now on rewatch, I I mean, yeah, I think you still could cut a little bit tighter. But I, I was really impressed by it. I just thought it was captivating. And again, I, I think it's just a nice marriage of of writer and performer in that instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we've been talking about I mean, I at the beginning I talked about some things that bother me, but I'll tell you what bothers me the most about this film. Even even though I love it, I love this film, but there is a scene, and I won't spoil anything, but there's a scene toward the end where there's a little tiny girl, a little girl who's crying and she gets scared because other characters are are screaming, and it is it is completely evident that this child got overcome with emotion in the scene and was genuinely afraid and is genuinely crying. And, and that was really upsetting and heartbreaking for me. And I did some research on it because I'm like, uh, there's gotta be some commentary somewhere. And so if, 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 you know, if the internet movie database can be believed, um, that is what happened when, when they were shooting the scene, um, the little kid got scared and started screaming and that wasn't in the script. And, um, Kevin Smith ended up getting the parents' approval, um, and and he felt bad about it. But you know he got their approval to keep it in the movie, and he even offered you know to give the dad some money to take the kid to a toy store and stuff. And and the dad said something 
reportedly add it to the pile, which is to <laughs> which I guess is to suggest that other other cast members had um, traumatic experiences here too. I I don't know if that's right. true, but but um, anyways, I I that scene really bothers me because I feel like there's some genuine child exploitation going on in this filmmaking. Even though it's very convincing, obviously it's really effective, but I also feel like it's terrible. Any comments about that, Josh? I mean, do you think that, well, I mean, if you've already traumatized the kid, you might as well use it, right? Or not? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I hear that. My, my only other big complaints about the film are um, that I feel like you have an actor like John Goodman and even Kevin Pollock who are in the film, I just wish they had a little more to do. I feel like their roles are kind of rote, you know, just kind of, I don't know, just typical cop outside the compound kind of character and lines. And they do, you know, they do a few fun things with them and, you know, they have some interesting moments, but I just feel like you could have spent a good amount of time with those characters and had a lot of fun with those actors in those roles. I mm -hmm. really enjoy both of those actors in those roles. Right. I wish we got more of it. Yeah, I agree. I think John Goodman was underused as well. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I also thought of the ending, like I won't spoil it, but it goes one way. There was a big part of me that wished it had gone the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, both of these films with frailty and, Red State. They're both films that could be left ambiguous had the filmmakers decided to, mm -hmm. and neither of them do. They both give you the answer to: Are these people crazy, or are they actually working for God? Right. And and I thought um, with Red State, I wished it had gone the other direction. That oh yeah, my only um, oh. reservation. About yeah, when when I first saw this film and it, the ending was unfolding. I was losing my mind. My jaw was yeah. dropped and I was going to be so excited. Uh, you know, it's I, still hilarious and perfect, but I wish it had gone. Right. I'm with you. Now, speaking of performances though, I want to say, um, Melissa Leo in this, oh like, my gosh, yeah. I mean, she scares me to death in terms of like her intensity as a zealot is, is chilling. And it reminds me, um, I mean, I think her performance is even better, but it reminds me of the zealot lady that's in The Mist. Right. I was thinking the same thing earlier. It's this, that same sort of uh, intensity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's scary. You know, it's, it's freaky to see somebody, that once again, like we talked about in the beginning, who's that committed. I, I do feel like, I, I wonder if, I mean... It seemed like Kevin Smith, and maybe it's just because I'm a little sensitive since I'm a, a Christian, but it felt like he was like hitting below the belt a couple of times, like with with Christians at least, like um, or or maybe he was just poking at the Fred Phelps people, which that wouldn't bother me as much because I, you know, I disagree with their approach to to things. I mean, but I know he he was raised Catholic, and he's gone back and forth in terms of his amount of belief over the years. But I believe when this film was released, he was identifying, self-identifying as a Christian uh, when the film came out. Okay. So I think it was more about attacking kind of the Fred Phelps. Okay, that that's good. Yeah, because there's a line at one point, like, you know, a, a, a character is saying something terrible and then, you know, says, do this like a good Christian. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, it well, me. That's just writing to the truth of those characters, you know. Right. Um, 
So his friend, Malcolm Ingram, who is kind of an acquaintance of mine. We were friends at one point, but I would hesitate to call us friends at this point. just because We haven't been in contact for so long, and I, I'm not sure he would remember who I am at this point. But um, he did a document. His first documentary was called Small Town Gay Bar. And in it, he interviewed Fred Phelps. And when he got back from that interview with the footage, and Kevin Smith was one of the producers on documentary small town gay bar um kevin smith was like you got fred phelps i want to watch the whole interview so he went and sat down and watched the full you know hour and a half of fred phelps which you know in the final film it's maybe 12 minutes of fred phelps or whatever but um kevin smith was just kind of mesmerized to get to see a, a little bit more of an inside look on fred phelps you know inter- interview shot in his home you know and you're used to seeing this guy protesting military funerals or you know or, or shouting at people who are trying to bury their child who was killed <laughs> through a hate crime or something. You know, just awful circumstances where you usually see Fred Phelps, but then to see him at home with his family, I guess really struck a nerve with Kevin Smith. And he just thought there's something here, you know, that I want to explore. And so mm-hmm. I do think that's, you know, where he yeah. was coming from. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, that, that helps me feel a little bit better about it. And again, I, I feel like I've been very critical, but I, I seriously love this film. And, um, you know, th- there's a there's a theme that comes out in it I was going to ask you guys about, and it's, um, you know, it, it's a line that's said by one of the characters, but I, I don't feel that this is a spoiler. I think it just really underscores really well. It's uh, people just do the strangest things when they believe they're entitled, but they do even stranger things when they just plain believe. And man, I, I think that really <laughs> cuts to the quick on this. Mm, yeah, that's mm-hmm. So anyways, um, David, do you have any uh, final thoughts on red state before we start wrapping it up? Just that it is, um, uh, like I said, if you're used to a Kevin Smith movie, don't don't go into this one thinking you know what, what you're going to get. This is not like uh, like a, a different version of Dogma or something. I mean, this is uh, very intense, and um, I really liked it. I mean, I I liked it start to finish. I thought it was great. Hmm. Me too. And um. Josh, are you ready to roll into the ratings on this? Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, on I was this? just trying to think if there was anything else I really wanted to discuss about it. I mean, I think um, we've we've probably said it all that we can say without spoiler discussions. So. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, uh, D- Dave, then bring us home and tell us what you rate Red State. You know, I, I'm going to probably say an 8.5 out of 10, and I think it's worth uh, picking up and uh, owning, and it's a definite uh, must-watch. Okay, excellent. And what uh, say you, Joshua? I'm coming in at the same place, 8.5, and buy it. I think it's a, it's an interesting film. It's a very unique film. I think, that, you know, if you're talking about films that deal with religion and, and horror, there aren't a lot that are like this. This is, I've never seen another movie like this, actually. So, you know, and it's funny because as we talked about doing this episode, I thought, I don't want this to be the anti-Christianity episode, you know? And so I was thinking, what other movies are there that deal with a, kind of a religious extremist? There must be. Is there a suicide bomber horror film or something? No, there's not. Dave thought of Wolfen, which I thought was a great poll. Um, <laughs> or kind of someone killing in the name of their 
their belief system, mm-hmm. but um, there just really aren't a lot. They most of them are focused on Christianity, but still within that context, I think this is a unique film. Both of these are just really unique movies, and so I would recommend people check both of them out. But yeah, I, I call this a buy. Definitely. All right, and yeah, and I'm I'm right there exactly where you guys are. It's an eight point five out of ten for me. And I say buy Red State. I think it's a great experience, and it's really terrifying. There is um, I just want to mention there is there is one death scene, uh, and I'm not going to spoil anything. But let me just say it happens from directly above. Let me just say it like that. It happens kind of like toward the beginning of the film, where where stuff gets real, and man, that is extremely disturbing and upsetting to me. Oh my gosh, totally. Yeah, I mean, that's serious business. I love the way that's done, though. So, anyways, that's our review of a Red State from 2011, and I'd love to hear what you think in the show notes. And as we conclude then this episode, Joshua, will you give us a kind of a preview on what the listeners can expect in our very next episode, 151? So, that is part two i guess of this discussion but it will be shifting the focus from kind of regular believers to uh belief and killing in the name of god in within the context of a cult and how that operates so there are a lot more examples of that in horse that's kind of the, the majority of films you know that deal with this kind of subject matter are cult films and as we mentioned even red state is kind of probably um, but so there'll be a lot more to discuss. I'm hoping one of our favorite listeners is going to be on as a guest to talk about her experience being raised in a cult. Um, I, I have my fingers crossed. I think that's going to work out. So I'm excited to hear about that experience. Mm-hmm. I also have a pure personal experience where I just found out over this past weekend that someone I went to high school with may in fact be currently starting their own cult. And so I want to report on that as well as we, wow. as we get into the conversation could be interesting for sure yeah Yeah, are you are you able to use your documentary skills and get an interview of that but i'm I'm a little too scared that's that's maybe somewhere i don't want to tread but um, (laughs) we did talk about i I was so i had the occasion over the fourth of july weekend to hang out with a bunch of my high school friends and um one of them was telling me about yeah did you know that so-and-so is start currently starting a cult and they found an altar uh, that he and his followers had built in the woods. And so I thought, man, let's take some, you know, they have these hunting cameras that you put on a tree, you attach to a tree and they're motion activated. So when an animal crosses the path, it turns on. So you can kind of get a sense of what the animal's movements are at night. <laughs> so I thought that would be cool to take that out to the, the altar area instead of those cameras and see if you get it. <laughs> totally do it. Do it, Josh. <laughs> do it. God wants you to do it, Josh. <laughs> um, just kidding. Um, that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. And, and listeners, that's going to be our very next episode. And I'm excited. I, I've got two. Um, I dug up two deep cuts, guys. Um, one is semi-deep. The other one is pretty deep to, to bring to the table there. I actually got a few of these because this is one of my... I, I know I haven't talked about it much before. But it is one of my favorite um, sub genres of of horror is like the cult type things because it freaks me out to death. Like I mean, I get genuinely scared by this stuff. So, 
anyways, um, and once again, just one last quick little plug for our uh, our special features feed, the Patreon feed. If you subscribe to that, it's just what two dollars fifty cents a month, Josh, and you're gonna get. Um, um, I, I know Dr. Shock and, and Joel Robertson have something that's probably coming down the pike, and Josh recorded some some good stuff recently, and then we're gonna be recording a horror episode for that feed here um, this upcoming weekend. So make sure you join us. Yeah, you, you get at least one additional episode per month. Oftentimes, it's multiple additional episodes per month and some of them are kind of crazy little bonus episodes but we also do try to take some time to create a nice special features episode and we've done some cool horror ones in the past if you've missed them you can still go back if you become a patron now you can go back and access all of the back catalog we've got one where we talked about all of our favorite movie posters um jay and dr walking dead specifically talked horror posters we did one where we talked about our favorite kills in horror movie the anatomy of a kill and dissected how uh, killing works within the context of horror films. Love that one. We did, we've done just some undiscovered gems was our first episode. And I thought it was fun, I think in and of itself. And so <laughs> there are some free ones you can sample. If you want to go back and check, check out the Patreon feed. Um, there are probably what, like four that are free at this point. Yeah. Three, yeah. Somewhere around three people can, can listen to and just see if they, like the content but the real reason is just to try to help us keep the lights on around here because none of us make any money doing this and <laughs> no you know we've got a great group of people in the network and we're just trying to make it feasible that we can keep doing this and we appreciate your support but i will say josh i recently got hired like actually commissioned to write and record a rap song <laughs> oh that's a true story true story yeah I, I know that's hard for people to believe i i i, I do love it. and so i've been i've been studying up and uh, listening to a lot of rap and um if i ever found a genie in a bottle joshua this is one thing i decided um uh, and I'm, I'm being dead serious about this one of the wishes would be <laughs> that i would wish for wolfman josh to to perform or record a cover of uh <laughs> of Ice Cube's Ghetto Bird. You know that rap song? Why? Because I, I, when I hear him perform that, you know, I've heard you goofing off before and like, you know, I, just the way you can move your voice and stuff. And I'm like, Josh could nail this song. Oh. Like I could never perform it and do it justice, <laughs> but I think you could. And I just, for some reason, every time I listen to Ghetto Bird, which is one of my all time favorite rap songs, I think Josh would sound great on this. <laughs> well, yeah, there was a w- weird short period of my life where I had like a, a, a very short beard and short hair and I was really tan. And people for like a couple weeks kept saying, you look like Ice Cube. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird. But um, <laughs> yeah, Jay, uh, let's do like a Tales from the Hood episode or something and I'll, and I'll do I'll do a rap at the end of that one. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, maybe we could, in, in all seriousness, maybe we could put together a little horror rap. I've been wanting to do that for a number of years. and Because yeah, um, you did one for Movie Podcast Weekly. I don't know if everyone knows that, but if you didn't hear <laughs> episode 100 of Movie Podcast Weekly, you can go back and hear Jay spit some rhymes out there. <laughs> and, and that's ridiculous. He goes, I mean, he does stuff like this. He goes, 100 episodes of Movie Podcast Weekly. Ask me if I'm proud. I say, yeah. Completely. 
yeah, that that that's ridiculous. But I'm actually on this one. I just got hired to do. Um, they're that's actually the, stuck in my head for how many? You guys are coming up on 300 episodes now. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. Writing. We, we, thank you. Um, but but I am like the the dude who hired me to do this is um, paying for me to go to a studio and do it right. So I'm gonna I'm nice. writing the the drum beat and the the bass line and all that stuff. It's gonna be legit. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about this on horror movie podcast. I just the listeners like to make fun of me about things, and I thought this would be another good one, but. Anything to change the topic from religion, I think, at this point. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that wraps up episode 150 of Horror Movie Podcast. We thank Wolfman Josh for an excellent topic idea. I I love these two shows. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to the next one just as much. Absolutely. Me too. Can't wait. All right. um, Wolfman Josh, let the listeners know where they can catch up with you and find more of your work. I'm on social media at Icarus Arts. I'm on Letterboxd and Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I use Twitter the most, and I do. And if you do connect with me on Instagram or uh, Letterboxd, as you saw tonight, um, I kind of like I'll usually run through and see which of our listeners have rated or reviewed a film. So if you want to get your rating on the show, uh, connecting with us on Letterboxd is a good way to do that. Um, also, I wanted to say I'm going to be in the Seattle area. So when I was in Oregon recently, I had a listener, I think it was Joe Brunette, said, hey, man, we should get together while you're in town. And I just thought, yeah, that would have been a good idea. I could do a little meet- mini meetup while I'm, I'm in town, but I hadn't thought of it. Well, now I know a little bit ahead of time. I'm going to be in Seattle um, July 16th uh, that week. So if there are any listeners out there who are in the Seattle area and you want to get together and get dinner or something that week, um, just drop me a line on Twitter and we can see if we can work it out and get a little group of HMP folks together and have a little mini meetup in the Seattle area. Nice. I like that. That's great. All right. And um, what about you, Dr. Shock? What are your plugs? Uh, same as they've always been, dvdinfatuation.com. Um, at DVD Infatuation on Twitter, uh, also on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, and you can also hear me on, um, on Land of the Creeps, which is back now, and the Universal Monsters cast, and the We Deal in Lead podcast. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I'm also over at Movie Podcast Weekly, which, as Josh said, we're about to hit 300 episodes. It's crazy. And um, I also do, from time to time, a little solo cast called Considering the Cinema, which is for, you know, nerds. It's like film critic nerdy stuff. So if you want to check that out. (laughs) Oh, Jay, I wanted to say great job on the making a monster stuff. I just heard that and. Oh, thank you. It was really interesting, yeah. and I really liked the way you constructed the the premise of self selfish and selfless. And it was funny as you were on like part four or three, and I thought, oh, you know what? And a hero is selfless. I was like, this is. I gotta <laughs> tell Jay about this. This is a good idea. <laughs> nice. And then you, of course, you were way ahead of me. So I thought I was really. I liked the way you put that together. Thank yeah. you. Yep encourage people to listen to i would love to hear that maybe even those excerpts clipped and put together in like five minutes of horror or oh yeah no that's a good thank you so so i could listen re-listen to it without all of the other stuff 
Yeah, and I need to um, I, I I need to polish that more. I mean, that was very thrown together. So thanks everybody for your patience, and I need to work on it more and think about it more. But yeah, that's thank you for the idea. You give great ideas, Josh. But yeah, you could find that at um, consideringthecinema.com and then moviepodcastweekly.com. Oh, and if I could just give one more plug, I forgot about um, a film that I worked on. At Sundance, this is not a directorial film of mine. It's just something that I was an assistant director on. Um, it premiered on HBO this last week. So if you want to give that film your support and check it out, if you're not sick of talking about religion yet, it's actually about um, some of the failures and successes with uh, the relationship between the Mormon church and the LGBTQ youth who have grown up in that community. Um, it features some cool concert footage with Imagine Dragons and Neon Trees and a, bu- a couple other bands and they're talking about their experiences growing up Mormon and particularly uh, Tyler Glenn, the singer of Neon Trees, talking about growing up gay and Mormon. Uh, I'd love it if you check that out and leave me a comment and let me know if you liked it, if that's something you'd be into. It's called Believer, and it is currently on HBO. And we love your comments, so make sure you get involved in the horror movie podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes for episode 150, or you can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com, and you're welcome to leave a voicemail at 801-382-8789. You can find all of our episodes, all 150 of them, at horrormoviepodcast.com. And that's where you can also find the back archive episodes of the weekly Horror Movie Podcast, as well as Horror Metropolis. You can subscribe free in iTunes and leave us a review. We're also on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our podcast theme song. You can find Fred's music at FrederickIngram.com. And we also want to thank Kagan Breitenbach for his reworking of Fred's original theme. You can find that amazing orchestration um, anytime you listen to this podcast in the intro. Um, it's just tremendous work by Kagan. But also you can find Kagan's work at KaganBreitenbach.com. Those will be linked in the show notes for this episode. And I think that's it for episode 150. We thank you for listening and join us again Friday after next horror movie podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies me old come on I see the face of Jesus in a great white light my savior makes me whole in his shining eyes, in his shining eyes, I see the promise of all forgiveness to set you free. I see the face of Jesus on my way this night. And my Savior to comfort me. I fear God. You better believe I fear God. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, Karl Marx was on to something with his opiate of the masses thing, whether or not it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you're a believer, you have to agree that belief is used in large swaths of our history to control and manipulate the course of history and, and people and, and societies. It's, it's just the the reality of it. Does that mean that it's not true and that it's wrong? No. And I think you, I don't think that's the reason to rule it out, but you know, I guess we have to accept, I feel like you have to accept both. If you're a believing person, you have to accept that religion has been used for terrible things. And the God's name has been used for terrible things. It's just the truth. But if you're a non-believer, you also have to say that doesn't necessarily speak to the thing. You know, it doesn't necessarily say, well, then it has to be evil or wrong mm-hmm. or, or false. That's just people making poor decisions as they do. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Cause one could look at it from like the science, strictly a science angle, and someone could say science is good. Right. But there have been, there have been people used science for, you know, warfare or whatever right exactly thank you that was a good example hiroshima right yeah yeah so i mean so that's an example of that but there's one other aspect that i almost forgot to even bring up but i think it is necessary in this conversation and that is you know we talked about the existence of god but there's the existence of a devil or an evil being an evil force to oppose the quote-unquote good and, Ooh, now, now you're getting someone. Right, right. And so, yeah. so now it gets even more complicated, I think, because it's like, okay, is your, is your God instructing you to kill or is the devil instructing you to kill? And, and how can a believer know the difference between, between the instructions? Like assuming the believer, um, assuming that these beings exist, God exists and the devil, and side note, I believe both exist personally, you know, then how can one know uh, where the instruction or the influence is coming from? And right. Whew. The, the, the Lord above or someone who's one, one of their titles is the deceiver. Right. So right. yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's right. also scary. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's, that's yeah, why you gotta be sure you, you know, I mean, I, I, I would never, I, I don't know that I could ever trust a divine message. And I, and I could be, you know, I could, I could be switching off. I could be switching off a, a direct line to God because I'm just not sure. You know, I, I, I err, on, err on the side of not killing someone, Dave. Right. Not, well, yeah. not killing somebody is always erring, but I'm talking when I was a kid, um, one of the things they always taught us in the Baltimore Catechism, which was this book they came out in the 50s and they were still using into the like late 70s, was they had this little thing. And in, 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 I just remember this little caption in the book where they show a couple getting married in a church. And I said, this is good. Then it shows a priest being ordained and it says, this is better. You know, <laughs> that they're trying to <laughs> recruit, you know, they're recruiting um, right. and, and I remember things like if God calls you to be a priest, you better follow that call. And I just remember sitting in the class going, Oh, for the love of Jesus, don't call me. Mm. I don't want to be a <laughs> priest. Please don't call me, you know, but, but again, <laughs> and I was very happy not to have gotten that calling, 
Um, whether I had any influence in that decision or not, I can't say, but that was a big thing. It's like, God, if God calls you and he tells you to do this, I think every guy, you know, every kid in the class is like, geez, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't know if I want to do that with my life. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, but it was always, you will hear from God. God will contact you if this is what he wants you to do. And it was it's a, it's a little bit daunting. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can only relate to a small degree, a fraction of that, which is after joining the LDS church, the Mormon church, um, you know, when I, when I felt called to serve a mission and I, and I did feel personally directed to do that. Um, it, it was, it was scary and not exactly what I wanted because I, I remember when I joined the church, I'm like, yeah, that mission thing, nah, that's nah, not for me because because when you're on a mission, you don't you don't watch movies for two years. I mean, that was one thing. There's no there's no uh, significant others, you know, like, like no girlfriends or you know boyfriends, you know, or whatever. You couldn't even watch TCM. N- no, no, wow. no Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nothing. No, no, I was talking Turner Classic movies. Oh, okay. but Texas Chainsaw Massacre is pretty rough too to give up. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I, I I can't imagine. I mean, yeah, if it's your whole life, I mean, just two years of your life was was uh, challenging enough for me. But it's interesting. But really quick before I move on, I like the idea of the devil again from the horror perspective because, like, if you take the like the C.S. Lewis screw tape letters approach to that, I love the idea of these demons who their goal is to screw up your salvation. Right. And so their, their entire purpose is focused on how can I ruin this person's life and how can I force them or push them toward bad decisions that will not allow them into the life after. Right. And so that's, Mm -hmm. that to me is a fascinating concept, especially as it pertains to horror movies. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that is fascinating, and I've always wondered. And there's something I've always just personally wondered about hell: if hell is the extinguishing of consciousness, where you see for a brief second that it could have gone on, but you're but it's just snuffed out. That could be pretty. That could be a pretty rough. <laughs> Uh, sort of hell. I mean, a lot of people like to think living forever in hell and existing in hell. But what if hell is, well, you could have had this, but bye. Mm, yeah. Regret, basically, right? Essentially. Well, not regret, just the end of consciousness. Oh, the yeah. end. Death is the end. Like the end of that Bava movie that we just watched, right? Yeah. Like trapped in the painting. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah, wow. right. Exactly. And, kind of state of nothingness. And not even mm-hmm. a state of nothingness, just you're gone. Like, like we're saying how if death is truly the end, what if hell is realizing you could have had more and then death is truly the end? You're gone. So like you're, you're just, you lose everything. You lose, you know. Mm-hmm. Since we've done a full introduction to Mormon theology on this episode already, like, yeah. <laughs> Mormons don't really believe in like a, a traditional hell there's no like satan with a poker kind of hell okay basically like the lowest level is you're just separate from god and your family right you're just kind of like on your own and mm-hmm. yes. well, that's, but there's another place 
But there's another place they call outer darkness. And that to me sounds like more like what you're talking about. The idea of outer darkness. Yes. You know, when you're talking about degrees of glory on one side, then outer darkness on the other. And that is reserved not for Hitler and and not for those, the worst of those people, but for someone who had a perfect understanding and knowledge of God and then denied it. So that's actually scary. And again, it's kind of built into the religion in a way that's like, you don't want to walk away from this because that would be really bad. <laughs>